Hello there and welcome to the Tunes from Dublin podcast, an Irish traditional music interview series presented by myself, Charles Mono, and featuring guests from County Clare and beyond who come and visit us here in Dublin. On each episode of the show, we are guided by tunes picked and played by our guests, and we talk about various topics related to traditional music, such as sources of inspiration, repertoire, style, memories, and much, much more. If you'd like to support this podcast and the Tunes from Doolin project in general, you can head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash tunesfromdoolin, where you can sign up and choose a support level that you can sustain. It doesn't have to be much. Even a cup of coffee per month really goes a long way. The link is in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support. Our guest for this episode is Therese McInerney, fiddle player and singer from Milton Malbay in County Clare, and a radio presenter of The West Wind on Clare FM. Hope you enjoyed the tunes and our chat with Therese, and make sure to stick around till the end of the episode if you'd like to know more about Therese and how to keep up with her music. Thank you so much, Therese. Great tunes and welcome to the show. 
thanks very much for having me Charles uh, it's a pleasure and um, for coming up all the way from Milton Malbay up to Doolin no bother at all uh, love those tunes what did you just play for us so I started off with uh, a tune called Grandmother She got that from the plane of John Carthy and then the well known Jig Connachtman's Rambles but it was in A instead of its usual key of D uh, lovely and that's a set from your solo album isn't it it is yeah it's one of the tracks from Down the Strand which I brought out in 2017 now so about four years four years old can't believe it <laughs> great, yeah time flies it it's does. a great album uh, I was listening to it there before you came up and yeah you did a great job from it oh thank you very much it was my debut one and I just just kind of decided after my my master's year in UL that um, it was now or never that I'd get the confidence to do it. You know, we had a, a recording project down in UL for the year, so I had a little flavor of the recording process and just decided to go for it, you know. Uh, and like, for example, those two tunes, how did you decide to put them on the album? Well... How I approached the album was I literally got out a pen and paper and wrote down all of my favourite tunes. That's the approach I took. I wasn't taking the approach to try and please any particular regional style or genre or anything really. It was it was going to be my debut album of my favourite selections of tunes and Grandmother She, as I said, I had learned recently enough in UL and Connacht Man's Rambles was one I was playing in sessions and I just found they worked together so I suppose there's a lot of messing around at home and just put those together one day and, and like them you know so they were, they were just all my my favourites uh, Great and I don't think I ever heard that uh, Grandmother She it's a barn dance isn't it? Yes yeah. Don't think I ever heard it before where did you get it? Um, I, I got it from John and John actually told me if I had my CD now I'd, I'd say exactly where it was from um, but he he had two barn dances together and anyone who was in UL that year, nearly all of us had it because he thought the banjos and the fiddles. So I heard some of the, the undergrads play it as well. But it's actually got very popular recently. Um, it's Damien O'Reilly's after recording it in his album and so is Deirdre right. Milan as well. So it's it's uh, got very popular in the last couple of years. Uh, great tune. Yeah, now that you mention it, I remember hearing it on Damien's. Yes. He has three barn dances. He does. Yeah, yeah, great, great album as well. Um, so for the listeners who don't know you, um, you're a young musician, but you've been doing an awful lot. You have a lot of experience <laughs> in different things, you know, between, between the playing music, recording, uh, you also work as a radio presenter on Claire FM. That's right. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, well, I guess I suppose I've, I feel like I've been around a long time because I started gigging quite young. Probably I was 14, 15 and I was doing maybe session gigs. Uh, I was very lucky. I suppose I grew up in Milltown Malbay, surrounded by traditional music. I had great mentors over the years. Um, a guy called Tom Carey as well would have a great concertina player from West Clare. Um, he would have taken me under his wing a little bit and I actually appeared on his his album um, I was going to say, yeah. I think yeah. I was 16, 17 at the time. And you were playing with a few others. Josephine right? Marsh was on the album as well. And to be honest, like Tom was quite sick at the time that we did uh, record it. And um, I remember we was down in Walsh's in Cree because Tom wouldn't, he wouldn't like playing solo music himself. But yeah, it was it was a great experience because as you, as you know yourself, it's a completely different kettle of fish when you're used to performing in sessions or in Cayley's. And then having a microphone put in front of you. So that was probably my first experience of that. And then 
I was lucky as well that with the Skull Sarah Willie Clancy happening in, in Milton Albay every year at quite a young age I was asked to sing or not to sing to, to play the fiddle at the at the recital the fiddle recital as part of Skull Sarah so again surrounded by you know fantastic fiddle players and just given that experience that performance experience because I, I kind of think if you don't do that young I know I wouldn't be able to start doing it now you know but um, yeah and I, I guess I would have started teaching music then in, in college and you know just all different kind of things but I had always a great grow great love for recording music anywhere I'd go you know at any of the recitals or concerts I'd I loved archiving and recording music I have a great interest in history as well so you're going everywhere with your little microphone yeah I I had every if you if you see like my room at home I have every sort of a recording did you have the back in the days do you remember the mini discs yeah I had I had the had the tape recorder every sort of tape recorder all the little handheld recorders anything I could get my hands on um I had growing up throughout the years and that in turn probably was what made me go towards the radio side of things I loved the west wind was on in the car every single day um that we I'd be going to classes after school and be listening in and I suppose it was always a dream of mine to one day maybe be a presenter mm-hmm. on the west wind but I didn't think it would ever happen you know but it's strange when you when you want to kind of do something sometimes it just works out yeah. but um yeah I just always had that interest there in you know the history side of things the technology side of things so you know co- combined together it was all my interests in one it, it's funny because it totally makes sense from a young age you were in that universe and yes. constantly but I also know that you didn't study music first when you went to college no right? I didn't no um I actually studied law for my sins <laughs> and, and how did um was there a tipping point when you decided okay now I want to just focus on music and production and radio work was there something that made you not switch do it. yeah or? um I suppose I had I probably was influenced and I, and I say this to because uh, I teach now and and I say this to a lot of younger musicians not to be influenced too much by what other people say to you um I was probably discouraged from going down the music line because it was like you'll never get a job you'll yeah, never get a, safe, you'll never get a real job from that and it was always my dream to do the the course in UL the Irish music performance course um and I, yeah, I guess I just, I, I listened to a lot of outside influences that was like, you know, and kind of a bit of an ego thing, you know. Um, so yeah, like I don't regret doing law because I made the most fantastic friends. Um, I went to UCC where I actually got the best radio experience. I, I'll always say I actually probably learned more in UCC 98.3 FM where I, I volunteered for the two years. I had my own uh, radio show called uh, Chock Trad and uh, just got amazing production and presenting experience there um, so it was fantastic and I was part of the, the traditional music so- uh, society down there as well and it was just brilliant because we would invite fantastic musicians down on a Wednesday and then I would actually interview them for my program so I just got so much hands-on experience so I, I think it doesn't matter what course you do in college it's kind of what you make of it really in a way in a way <laughs> you went down to try to get away from the trad music world by studying something different different but it was there anyway oh you like couldn't get away from it completely completely it, it was my first love and then when I was trying to decide then when I finished the four years in law now 
one thing I will say about doing law is it gave me great academic confidence when it comes to, you know, applying for different grants and things like that in the music world. You know, it, it doesn't scare me too much, you know. So there, there was definitely benefits of doing something else um, because I de- definitely got big confidence from doing it. But I went and did the Irish music masters down in UL after straight away after law and I just felt like I was home I was like this is what this is what I'm meant to be doing um you know because you just you don't you don't know until you know and when I was inside in that building it was just I I felt like I was home yeah when you know you know yes 100% it's a a great feeling and I, I assume you probably knew it deep down before you even started absolutely and never looked back since never looked back definitely not it's music and media is definitely what it was always what I was meant to do but just it's just a little detour for a couple of years but no regrets yeah because after that so the album came out straight after the masters you said and you worked was it at tip fm for a while before you went to clear fm or yeah so I suppose when I finished the masters in 2016 I had applied for clear fm I'd sent a demo and I got a call calling I was you know working away on the the fiddle album obviously for the year doing a little bit of teaching not too much you know just a small bit and probably was a little bit lost I was like what do I do now and um so that's that was great to have the album to focus on for the year but then I got the call for Claire FM to come in to do training and so I started producing with them first so um if you remember the time that the All-Ireland Fla was actually in Ennis and we had we had afternoon sessions and the West Wind sessions and I was producing all of those, um, so getting all the musicians and you know all it that. It was busy tent because it, it was in the busy, tent, wasn't yeah. it? And I also got great TV experience as well because luckily I got the call from um, Forefront Productions to help produce the the FLA program for RTE as well. So I was started getting all this media experience, and as you said, then next thing a call came from from Tip FM. Um, I actually, do you know what I saw? the the advert they were looking for a traditional music presenter and I was like this is made for me and I always remember my mom going Therese like you are not driving up and down to Clonmel every every week like every Saturday night that's just crazy you know because I do I suppose as a musician a lot of people will relate to this say yes to everything take on you know and I had a habit of taking on too much and so I just said you know what I'm going to talk to the boss about it see what they say and when they said that I could do it from Claire FM because they're sister stations. Ah, okay. Then light bulb moment. So that was fantastic because, um, and that was my first love. Like Galti Sessions is my baby. Like it's the first, I was the first presenter on it, you know, whereas the West Wind then, which I started, I was working as a producer on it and I had started filling in for people, um, but I didn't have a, a regular slot. But definitely doing the Galti Sessions was great because it was a pre-recorded program, still is, and uh it, it it helped me to hone my craft a little bit as well, you know, because you could edit, you weren't under pressure live mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, I, I feel like everything just happens one after another and gradually. And I suppose I've stopped worrying about what's next because I, I feel like everything kind of... Everything falls into place. Eventually, absolutely. But it happened very fast for you because yeah. you finished college 2016, you said? Hmm. That's very fast, you know, in the four years. Yeah, yeah, I suppose I'm, I've always been quite ambitious and, you know, will work hard. And the etiquette was just, of of the session was just ingrained in me at a young age. You know, I waited to be asked. 
but I kind of had to get over that a little bit because you know no one was going to come knocking on my door asking me to be a presenter of the Westmont I had to send in a demo had to send mm-hmm. in a CV you know had to send it send the emails and just say you're around you know so I, I definitely think luckily I striked that balance and that I wasn't over overly pushy but had to learn you know can't just wait to be asked all the time you Absolutely. know I, I'd be always like that as a singer as well like I'd say I'm a fiddle player first and foremost and and a singer too but even now to this day even if it's my gig I will never sing until someone asks me I don't Are know you serious? I'll never I'll never be like okay I'm going to sing a song now I just can't when do it I think it's something people probably ask you to do the gig because you can sing as well <laughs> yeah probably but I just I there's something I, I I grew up playing in a session in the Blondes um it's called in 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 Milltown Albay Cleary's pub and we were I don't know it was like it was like our training for sessions and it was it was phenomenal really but you were always asked that was just the way it was done it's like it's your turn now and then yeah. it'll be you know there was just that that I don't know if anyone else relates to that but it's just something that I would always I couldn't possibly <laughs> and would you find um, so you were good at pushing yourself uh, forward for the radio work and mm. all that did you manage to do it as well with just the music so. um I don't know I, I do I still even to this day will find it hard I suppose social media now probably makes things a little bit easier but I still you know I, I did a podcast last year and I was still so conscious of not bombarding like I, I really try and get that balance of I don't want to be posting up things every single day I would try like if my podcast was coming out on a Friday I would only post a reminder on the Thursday and that was it because I just think it's really nice to strike a balance you know I know the feeling because you get, yeah it's so you hard to, to know you work hard for everything you do you know for you it's your radio program you did the the podcast which is called Tradcast wasn't it yes it's a great series like we'll talk about that later I'm okay. sure uh, but yes you do have to um, it's a balance there's self-consciousness there 100% because um, if you that's the way I feel anyway mm. if I'm too pushy I'm afraid it'll drive people away. And it does because yeah. it, it's it, there's something about the trad community. It's a little bit different, I think. Um, but in a nice way too. You know, people are so supportive. Like, I think we're so lucky. You know, when I brought out the album, I was petrified. I was so worried. But I was like, if I keep worrying what they, whoever these imaginary mm-hmm. they people are going to think, who don't exist. They exist in our heads, but they don't exist. Um, so that's why I'd say if anyone who wants to bring out an album and is afraid what they will think, there's no they. You know, in the trad world, like even any of the reviews that came out, they were just so kind. And, you know, it's it's not like the pop world or, you know, where people are torn to shreds. Yeah, yeah. You like know. The, there's no, the competition is not, people are happy when somebody else is doing something out there, bringing out a new album. Totally. They're all happy that's, The music is alive. Absolutely. And, you know, I think anyone who is pushing traditional music, I just say fair play to them, you know. And I know there's, you know, the poppy side of trad and there's the the purists and everything. But I just think that it's such a small community. We just all need to support each other no matter what we're doing, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Great community. Hmm. Uh, Before we talk more, will we, would you play another set of tunes for us? I will. I will. Yeah, I'm going to, I'll do slow air this time. I don't do a lot of slow air playing, but I suppose I've got into it a little bit more this year. Um, I've been playing a good bit at Innes Cathedral. Um, 
the you know as you know all the masses and everything like that are online and so someone approached me and asked me would I would I sing for the the webcam while there was no one allowed in there and I suppose I've I've been living in Ennis now for the last three years and I found it a great way of kind of feeling part of the community a little bit but this is one that I would play uh, fairly often it's called Bessie the Beauty Yeah, so Bessie the Beauty is one of your lockdown tunes. <laughs> yeah, basically. I actually, would you believe I learned it? Well, I, I was taught it by Zoe Conway during the master's year and I never really went back on it. But with lockdown, had the time and I started playing it and teaching it. So hopefully it goes well, okay. <laughs> lovely. Off you go. Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> Thank you. 
Our Therese, love that tune. So beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, Bessie the Beauty, I think, was composed by Jerry Fiddle O'Connor. Okay, and you learned it from Zoe Conway from when you Zoe. were at UL. That's it, yeah. Um, I love slow airs. Really? Like, I could listen to slow airs for hours. But the funny thing is, I don't play any. I just don't feel I'm not able. And I'm I feel always, like I'm not able either. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did a great job there. Um, what goes through your head when you're playing it? Um, I guess, you know, it's funny. My my experience of playing slow airs comes from Flaz, which wasn't an overly pleasant experience, you know, in a competition setting. And I think maybe it might have turned me off for a few years playing them. And then I remember someone telling me, you know, you're a singer, you know, you should understand like the phrasing of a slow air and that kind of thing so even there during the second time around um probably I, I I'm always the type that I get into a tune more the second time around um but I, I'm thinking of the breath I think of I think of airs in terms of songs you know and yeah that's that's kind of I, I whenever I'm thinking of the bow I'm thinking of the breath as well that's yeah yeah makes sense and so this is purely an air there's no song there's no words to it no no there isn't no but I suppose whenever I'm teaching slow airs I would always make sure because a lot of them do have words I would always make sure that I actually play the song for the kids as well and it was funny I was teaching a slow air to a a young kid that I'm teaching she's only about eight um brilliant fiddle player but I was trying to teach her the slow air and I think it was Tom Tom Shemakala and she just wasn't getting it and then I played Maureen Lacowell of singing it just one verse of it yeah. and she goes I have it yeah it makes sense and she played it perfectly the after yeah. hearing it sung so ever since that's my go-to always listen to the song and listen to the breath and the phrasing but yeah I, I do want to get more into them I think they're as as you said I love listening to them but there's I, and I've heard a lot of professional musicians say that, that they just feel... They're, they're definitely the biggest tunes in Irish music. They're I, they're massive tunes, you know. I think it's because when you play a slow air, it's really putting yourself out there. Like you're... There's nowhere like to hide. Na- yeah, you're naked mm. and it's only you and the music. There's no distractions. You, you can't... Like the ornaments, the variations, that's just down to you and your personality. mm uh, so it's great to hear that you're getting to the stage yeah, where... Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know what? I think I think in the last... Only probably in the last year or two, I'm starting. I'm not there yet. But in, in all elements of my life, like I'm starting to realize that this, this seeking perfection doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was even talking to someone the other day about archiving and the way that, you know, people used to go around and, and get recordings of people and even record sessions and record, you know, there's an awful lot of music that wouldn't be there if all these people hadn't gone around recording. But I know myself and I was just like, I was just like there's people who've come in to record sessions of me before and I've I've said no because I feel like I'm not, you know, in a, in a session, you're letting go, you're letting loose and you're not perfect as you would mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. if you were practiced. And I think that there's a big loss in that because you know what is perfection either sometimes I actually I would much prefer listen to an old recording where uh, we call them f neutrals there's there's the tuning isn't there or anything but the the the, um, passion behind the playing Mm -hmm. the love for the music is so so obvious and sometimes that's nicer to listen to than a than just absolute perfection I know exactly what I mean I know exactly (laughs) what you mean so for me yeah (laughs) for me it would be like 
most of the time I listen to session recordings because they're full of heart and yeah well <laughs> full of heart and full of mistakes as well like it's, people don't think too much and I think you said it there the that research for perfection well it depends on the settings I suppose like mm. when you record an album I'm sure when you went to the studio absolutely you're looking for that perfection yes and that's okay but it's nice to let people hear the music in the more natural in the moment flow. yeah 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 de- definitely so you know i think there's a there's a place for for all of it isn't there yeah yeah so uh, that's what i'm hoping like on the podcast as well that people they come and play a tune and they just play it the way it comes to them at that moment you yeah know? it's just a moment in time you know i might play it completely differently if i was sitting here in two hours time you know it's just yeah. it's however you're feeling i think at the time especially slow ears as you said it's very obvious um but yeah yeah do you know if there's a story behind bessie the beauty i'm very bad i've done very little research for you now charles i apologize no, no, no that's okay i was just i was just wondering i'm sure there is it sounds a bit like a horse or something well, doesn't it I, I was thinking of a car oh oh bessie the beauty. yeah i don't know we'll have to if, ask if, uh, if, jerry if, o'connor if, yeah, on the show jerry's listening <laughs> text in um no brilliant um what what do you think Therese? will we Go into another set of tunes, maybe? Yeah, sure, no problem. What have you got in mind? Well, I can't can't call myself a clear woman and not say, play a set of reels, I think. Um, so I'm going to go back to tunes I played probably a lot in my late teens. Um, the first one is called A Bunch of Green Rushes. I have a real love for minor tunes. Uh, I think it's the, the Claire fiddle player in me coming out there. Um, absolutely love minor tunes and... The, and modal tunes anthem with a good yeah. F natural I'm sold <laughs> but so the first one is the bunch of green rushes I got this from my my old fiddle teacher Vincent Griffin and um, played it a lot in sessions in East and West Clare and then the second one is a West Clare tune written by Bobby Casey called The Porthole of the Kelp uh, I love that tune yeah can't wait thanks Thank you. 
Think Trace, pure Milton Malbay there. <laughs> yeah, hopefully anyway. Yeah, feeling a bit under pressure there now. I haven't played in front of anyone in a while. You get um you get used to just playing by yourself at home and not used to an audience or microphones or pressure. So but you know what? It's good for me. So thanks, Charles. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. <laughs> thanks uh, for the pressure. <laughs> uh, anytime, anytime. Um I you said you learned the first one from your teacher, Vincent Griffin. Yeah. But Vincent is not from Milltown, is he? No, um, Vincent is from uh, Fecal in East Clare. So that's probably, I would have quite a, probably East Clare influence on my playing. Um, I would have played a little bit with the Tola Cady band. I would always been going over to sessions with Mark Donlan and Martin Hayes whenever he was around or, you know, um, in Peppers in, in Fecal. And um, Vincent used to have a monthly session with Seamus Bugler as well and Mary Corey. So was always over and back to, to East Clare. Um, and I would have played in a Cayley band as well with Pork O'Reilly growing up in a show Cayley band. So would have the maybe Kilfenora and North Clare influence there. And then, of course, I'm a Milton Malbay woman through and through um, and really loved listening, especially, you know, I talked about Skull Sarah Willie Clancy earlier and really loved listening to the older musicians, the Joe Rines, the Bobby Casey's, um, Paddy Canny used to come over. Um, we used to, you know, watch the old recordings of maybe Junior Crehan and, and those playing and John Kelly Senior playing at the fiddle the fiddle recitals and, and in at the actual fiddle classes in Winnie Tansy and I was just obsessed. I loved the older style fiddle yeah. fiddle playing and um even when I was in UL um I just just loved you know researching and and looking back on the you know ITMA videos of Joe Ryan and all all those older musicians. Um, so I really love the Clare fiddle style and East West. It's it's all yeah. I yeah. love all of it. Yeah. You, you mentioned East West North Clare, and you said you're a Milltown Malbay girl through and through. But at the same time, you kind of I think maybe I'm a Clare whole, woman through and through. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, I I do I I love all the all the styles. But um, how did you end up? going to fecal for fiddle lessons in the first place um well vincent taught in the west county in ennis you okay. see yeah yeah there, there actually there isn't that many fiddle teachers in milltown you know um concertina has really taken over west Clare. it really really has up to concertina yeah yeah but i suppose in fairness there's you know the concertina crenu and there's the concertina convention there's there's huge work being done for the concertina and even though i'm not living in milltown malby anymore i still make my business to go back twice a week to teach there during the school year because you know i'm i'm very very much pro getting the fiddle keeping the fiddle alive yeah. you know um there, there just isn't the same amount of teachers i suppose as there there was yeah maybe do you previously. think it comes from the fact that uh fiddle was probably 
the main instrument, most popular instrument at the Willie Clancy Festival uh, for years. Yeah, and it probably still is. Um, there's about 30 fiddle teachers, you know, still, but... But I guess, I don't know, I, I suppose, you know, the fiddle is a hard instrument. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had this discussion with other fiddle teacher, f- fiddle teachers that are friends of mine. And, you know, sometimes it does take four years to get a decent sound. It depends mm-hmm. on the, the student. Some some people can do it quicker. But and depending if you've done another instrument beforehand, there's loads of factors at play. But maybe also it's just because the concertinas, the concertina players and teachers got more organized simply it only takes a couple of people because i mean mm. you know the likes of tim collins uh, yeah there's loads they of do loads yeah yeah, yeah there, there is there's lots and lots of teachers um but yeah so i just i i teach um i've taught in milltown malby primary school the last three years i'd go in once a week to do group lessons with them and i'd be be slowly like trying to encourage a few more constant uh, a few more fiddles I'd be always giving out, like, there's too many concertinas. All I have is concertina and whistles to do, like, group of cool things with. But um, the banjo has actually got popular in Milltown okay. now as well because, you know, there's people teaching it. And so it's great. I love a mix. I love, you know, when you're doing a group of cool yes. class, you want you want to have a have a mix of instruments. So it's great. Now, I feel like it is balancing out a little bit, but it is. It's it's all down to who's teaching in the area, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um We'll go back a bit on the Bobby Casey and Joe Ryan and all them fiddle players because that tune, the porthole of the mm. kelp, is for me. Anytime I hear that tune, obviously he composed it, but it's the sound of Milltown Malbin. There's maybe one more tune to have the same feeling is "Farewell to Milltown" by Julia Love Crehan. that tune. Like as well. those two tunes, they are just for me. It's yeah, that's West yeah. Clare. That's yeah. it. There's a bit of a lonesome feel off them, but I just they're just gorgeous. Yeah, G tunes. minor, G minor. Yeah, love it. <laughs> you, yeah, you you said it. You love the minor tunes. I'd be I'd, I'd be kind of the same to be yeah. honest. What is it that makes them that attractive to you? I, it's just that feel you get when you hear them and when you listen to them and when you play them. You know, I love now. Don't get me wrong. I love the kind of A E tunes, like the the real you know lively tunes as well. But there's something about, and do you know what? There's something about those minor tunes when you're not in the best of form. When you play them, for me anyway, I remember one day I was sitting at home and I wasn't in the best of form and my fiddle was sitting there and I just took it up and I played a minor tune. And it was like it was getting out the feeling. It was getting out the emotion that I was feeling at the time. And I felt great after it, you know? So that's... I'm not great with describing feelings and things like that, no, but I, I think the the music does it for me sometimes, you know? Well, you're doing a great <laughs> job here because a lot of people, especially outside of Ireland, they always have that image of Irish dance music, you know, the jigs and the reels, and it's happy out and everybody's dancing and happy, but there's so much more to it. And oh, you can't, definitely. nobody in any country in the world can be in that good mood and just play the big major happy tunes. Oh, absolutely. And time. I suppose coming from the singing tradition as well, like yeah there there's very few happy songs in the singing tradition yeah. unless they're the you know the ones that are the funny songs but you know most of them are about you know immigration and famine and misfortune and death and yeah love lost and all the hits yeah yeah oh yeah they're the they're the big songs you know so i suppose yeah no i just i absolutely love them i think there's a, a real big place for the minor tunes as well and like it's it's funny you say oh you're not in great form would you be better off listening to something happy but when you're not in great form the last thing you want is something overly happy because it's just not aligned yes. with how you're feeling you know whereas when you actually have something that describes nearly how you're feeling with no words you know because it's it's music but it just it helps and do you think um 
you consciously play tunes according to how you feel. So I'm thinking more in a session, because obviously in a recording, you, you decide which tunes you're going to play in advance, mm. and you have to put yourself in the right mindset, I suppose. But when you're in a session, you can just go and play whatever you want. So yeah. would you find uh, that sometimes a session, the atmosphere of a session depends on how you feel or the tunes that come in the session? Yeah, I guess. Well, for me, I think it depends who I'm playing with. You know, I think maybe you have a lot more scope when you're playing, say, if I was playing solo fiddle with a backer, you know, then you can play whatever you want. But, you know, if I'm playing with certain set of musicians who might play quite faster play lively music I, I tend to I tend to go with whoever yes. I'm playing with you know it's it's different it, it does it depends on the setting really and truly like I know a group that I play with and sometimes if the flute player isn't there we play loads of minor tunes because they hate the, <laughs> yeah. the minor tunes and we'll play minor tunes the whole night and then you know it just depends yeah because really. we associate tunes with certain people like <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah yeah but I suppose do you play much at home, actually? Do you know, when you don't have to play for anyone, you do this full time between yeah. the radio, the podcast. How often do you pick up the fiddle and just... I wish I could answer you. I'm going to be completely honest. I wish I could say every day. When when I was younger, um, in my teens, like, I was obsessed. I played all day, every day. I was just obsessed with music. And I think when it becomes your job something switches a little bit in that and especially when you're teaching a lot of music as well and gigging like when I'm driving home for, from a gig well will that day ever come again please god mm. but and I just remember anytime I'd be driving home from Doolin like the last thing I want to listen to is traditional music you know I'd, I'll have on you know pop or you know different and I've, I've heard people of different genres because I love musical theatre as well and um, I've heard people who were obsessed with musical theatre growing up and then they became on the West the, uh, the West End or they started working in Broadway and then they actually just stopped, li- you know, they stopped listening to musical theatre and had to listen to something else as an outlet. So I would find that, like, I, I would listen to a lot of different music now, whereas when I was younger, unless it was trad, it wasn't on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think, and it, it kind of saddens me in a way in that that obsession of constantly listening to a 24-7 probably but i think it's it's, it's just natural maybe it's probably a good thing to be conscious of it because you have music in your life all the time anyway yeah. so it's not like you're going to have any withdrawal symptoms <laughs> yeah but uh every now and then you pick up the fl- or it might be an event actually if there's a birthday party or something mm. uh, that you meet up with friends yeah um you'll just play because you Why want not? to yeah. yeah and you know what you actually enjoy it so much more in that setting mm-hmm. when you're just playing it because you want to not because it's a gig or you know but I, I do find that now I love having I love having a concert coming up or something that I can arrange music with somebody else and you know I love I love that kind of having to practice for something feel um it's kind of motivation maybe a little bit yeah. um but definitely when I do pick it up, I'm like, oh, I need to do this more often, you know. And especially now after the last year mm. and a half in lockdowns and everything, the opportunities for those spontaneous moments where mm. you can just pick up the fiddle and play with friends, go into a festival or whatever. We haven't had those in quite some time. Once the, when is the last time you had a, a few tunes just like that? Um, 
Well, I suppose at the moment I'm playing a, a good bit with um, my friend Marion Curtin and we've had a few little things on, you know, for like say Skullsara Woody Clancy, we had a, a concert practiced for, for that and a few things. So that's probably who I'd be playing most with at the moment. But yeah, it's very few and far between because I I guess I'm the only person in my family that plays as well um, on both sides. So, mm-hmm. you know, I suppose I'm used to probably, you know, just whipping out the fiddle at home and playing it away myself. Um, but yeah, Pl- it's play, been a while. Playing, yeah, playing by ourselves you know just with no one else it's it's not the same there's always there's only so much you can do yeah do you know what I love actually and I lived in Prague for a year on Erasmus and that year I had the fiddle over with me and something I absolutely love to do is just throw on my iTunes or throw on CDs and just put on the headphones and play along with it it's probably one of my favorite things to do that's how I've learned uh, apart from sessions uh, just play along and then you end up going back to old recordings that you used to listen to maybe 10 years ago and play a set like oh I love that set and you oh I need to do that more actually I'm just after thinking that now but that's what I used to do when I wouldn't have the opportunity to play with anyone else and there's it there's a great feeling and it's it's lovely to put on the headphones you don't have to be listening to yourself either you're kind of yeah. you know blending in so it's lovely but even yeah. thinking about it like that could even be like a recording project not necessarily in, in a commercial way but kind of I'll record the my 15 favorite sets from other people yeah and yeah, what 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 sets would you have in mind if you were going that road if you put on a, a track on itunes to play along with what would that be oh i suppose it, again it depends on the the feel like what i'd be i suppose a cd that i was obsessed with and a lot of um fiddle players my age will relate um is desi donnelly's familiar footsteps fiddle album beautiful would have been I, I probably still know it off by heart because that's how often it was played along with. I played along with all the Tola Kaley band CDs. And it was funny, like when I when I was younger, I could not keep up with with it, but I just kept playing along with them until I could, you know. Um but they would be the And then you actually played with the band. Yeah, I got <laughs> yeah, when I was in my late teens I got the opportunity to play with them a good few times and that was amazing. But I had they were like, how do you know what tune is coming next? But I had just been constantly playing along with them. And uh, yeah, I suppose fiddle albums would be the big thing. And I, I listen to a lot of concertina music, I suppose, just because from where, I, where I'm where i from. But... See, the concertina is kind of uh, growing on you as well. Even uh, though they're no, kid taking you know over. What I love, and like, sure, I, I would probably, the most often I would play with concertina. I love concertina fiddle duet. Ah, it's, it's the ultimate, really. Concertina fiddle or flute fiddle yeah. would be my... My too. Do you know what? Fiddle is in every it's top good. combination. Yeah, it's like, good with everyone. There's always a fiddle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, box fiddle as well. Yeah, they're... They all it, work. It just blends... It's a good instrument to blend well with, with anything really. Pipes fiddle. Yeah, we could, we could keep... Work. We could keep They all work. And probably the best of all those. Just loads of fiddles. Um, like, do you know, <laughs> I don't know if you heard the, that Fiddlesticks album Liz Doherty brought out with her yes. UCC students. About 14 fiddles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love that um, album as well. Uh, lots of big fiddle tunes on that so yeah i, I could keep naming sure for for years because it's, it's actually it's actually one of the only instruments that work when you have 10 15 of them together um, yes, when it's not too arranged because if you put 10 or 15 concertinas playing together not in an arranged setting because i know there's been the concertina orchestra and they do a fantastic job mm. but just in a session yeah oh that doesn't work no it definitely does and not i have been i've been in that situation <laughs> The pipers, they think that works, but uh, I don't know if you're if you're not a piper. No comments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
plead the fifth. (laughs) Just before we wrapping up, and since we're talking about Piper's, uh, Willie Clancy, would you like to say anything about him? Because after all, he's just the junior Korean Bobby Casey and all, but I think Willie Clancy is the main Milltown man. Yeah, well, I suppose what his name has done for our town, even, you know, I would have grown up in a bed and breakfast and, you know, that week of the year was really huge for for all businesses around around the town. But even from a music perspective, you know, obviously I would never have met him, but the, you know, stories that I've heard and I worked for a little while in the Music Makers of West Clare. It's a visitor centre in Milltown Malbay and you know there's panels up on the wall all about him and I would have a big love for the Irish language and that is something I'd relate to with Willie Clancy as well because he he said if he had to pick between the music and the language he'd he'd pick the language because he he really believes that there's an importance in understanding the language which I which I really do as well I have huge love for the Irish language that's something I would relate to him but yeah I I guess I, I love Willie Clancy's tunes as well I'd be always kind of looking back on the Willie Clancy book to see oh how did he play Corny's yeah. Coming or whatever tune it is um but yeah yeah he's he's a, a big name in my 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 hometown of course and synonymous with with Milltown Malbay and will forever be uh, it's funny you mentioned the Irish language because obviously I very conscious of the connection between the two and I always said I'd learn Irish when my kids will start learning in school and I failed miserably. Really? So I haven't, you never know, someday it might happen. But uh, do you speak Irish pretty fluently? Yeah, would you believe uh, it was another little lockdown project? I've I've always kept it up as much as I could. But during the lockdown, I kind of decided that I was going to really go for it. And I got some books and really started studying it properly. Because I think I always had a good bit of neck. Like I was always well able to talk when you know you'd be having Rand the Grails interviews during Willie Clancy week or whatever but I'd be always half mortified listening back to myself because I knew the grammar wasn't perfect and and I know some people will say it's not important but I'd like for it to be better you know I'd like to for for it to improve so last September I actually enrolled in UCC again um part-time to do uh, a HDIP in Irish. I know Very I never good. stopped doing courses, but <laughs> someday I'll stop. But uh, yeah, it was just a couple of modules, but um, really threw myself into it in the last year. And I I feel so much more confident now. Like I have, uh, the, the worst thing is though, when you start doing a course in something, you realize how much you don't know as well. So yeah. that that's a little bit scary too, but um, definitely my confidence has improved a lot um but i i've i've a long way to go but i definitely i just absolutely i love all things irish culture but that was that was something i had been going on about for so long that i was like if i don't do this now when i have the extra time i'll never do it so well who yeah. knows maybe the next step for you is a, a radio show in Australia. irish yeah you never know, you never know. Yeah, never yeah. know. i try uh, and put it in a little bit in the west wind as well um and that's that's a, a goal for me and the galti yeah. sessions is to increase it you do in fairness no you do a great show um so well Therese it's time to wrap up uh, the episode it was great to have you uh just so if people want to uh, keep up with you um what's the best way you have a website yeah theresemcinerney.com is my website and you'll find me on theresemcinerney music and media on facebook and the same on instagram they're the best places probably and the west wind on claire fm on tuesdays absolutely yeah great stuff (laughs) um we'll play a tune before you go I'd love to, yes. Great stuff. Thank you, Therese. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
And thanks again so much to Therese McInerney for coming on the show. If you'd like to keep up with Therese and her music and work, make sure to visit her website, theresemckinnerney.com, and to like her Facebook page. All the links are in the show notes. Thank you again so much for listening to the Tunes from Julian podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. It would be very helpful if you could tell your friends about the show too, share it on social media and feel free to visit the Patreon page if you'd like to support. If you'd like to know more about the Tunes from Julian project, you can check out the website and YouTube channel. You can also email me at tunesfromdulin at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks again and see you at the next episode.